Back chat. Back chat. Back chat. Politics and current affairs. Back chat. Back chat. Back chat. Your alternative to talk back. Proudly supported by the Judith Nielsen Institute. It's Saturday, January 23rd, and you're listening to Backchat, where we break down the news you don't want to miss. Before we begin today, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the Gadigal land and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. I'm Chantelle Alcori. And I'm Eamon Snow. Today, we're discussing where the country is at with Invasion Day ahead of January 26th. First up, we're talking to Green Senator Lydia Thorpe about why the Aboriginal flag should be flown at half-mast on Tuesday. Then we'll be speaking to Catherine Scarth from Ames Australia about the complex reasons new migrants embrace the public holiday. Fact chat. Text 0409-945-945. January 26th is a painful day for First Nations people, acting as a reminder of the pain, loss and injustice that continues to this day. But instead of celebrating colonial Australia, what if Tuesday marked a national day of mourning and reflection instead? One tangible proposal is for all councils and organisations to fly the Aboriginal flag at half-mast. This was detailed last week in a powerful opinion piece for The Age by the first Aboriginal woman in Victoria's Parliament, Lydia Thorpe. She joins us on the line now. Hi, Senator Thorpe. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Uh, Now, how can Colonial Australia enact a day of mourning on January 26th? Ah, well, we just do it. Uh, It's about people power. And if we look at the uh, dawn service that began in uh, King's Domain in Melbourne three years ago, we started with 600 people. The following year, we had a couple of thousand So I think, um, you know, take it back to the people. You can run your own uh, dawn services in your local community and start truth-telling in your local community. This is what has been denied for so long um, to the general population and it's time to start telling the truth so that we have an opportunity to mature as a nation and, and unite as a people. And each year there's a lot of discussion and debate around changing the date. What makes 2021 different? Uh, Well, we're just sick of the same conversation every year. And uh, as I've said before, it's not just the day. It's basically the whole month of January uh, that is is painful. It it brings a lot of anxiety to our people because the racists come out. The trolls come out and, again, we're justifying our existence and justifying our pain and and trying to teach people the truth of, of this country. I think 2021 is uh, an opportunity for us to change the nation given uh, the pandemic and, and what we've gone through as a people, uh, how we need to look after one another and how we uh, can't leave anyone behind anymore. We, we saw that exacerbated during the pandemic, and uh, this is an opportunity for us to unite as a nation, learn the true history, and have a treaty. We need a treaty in this country. There was a war declared on our people, and there, that war has never ended, never. And that's why we need a treaty in this country. And as a proud Jabirungana Gunajimara woman, could you please explain to us how this day personally affects you? Well, I, I put out a tweet yesterday saying I'm tired of Invasion Day 
already because invasion day is every day. Uh, and I'm exhausted because the trolls are out. I mean, the Prime Minister yesterday, you know, there's so many eye rolls when uh, people like that come out and think that they know better and they deny history. It's, it's frustrating. Um, it's, it's sadness that this country uh, is in complete denial and just can't face the true history for us to be able to move forward. I mean, we need... They need us just as much as we need them. How are we going to so solve the climate crisis? There is no climate justice without First Nations justice. So we are part of the fabric of this country, whether they like it or not. And we have this opportunity greater than ever before because we have more allies, we have more Australians that have uh, a better understanding of what this country is about and how they want to be part of making it better. And what has been the reaction to your opinion piece so far? Um, it's been quite quite positive, in fact. I was on 3AW yesterday morning and there were more positive phone calls to my office than negative ones. And I think that's something to, um, you know, just be aware of, that people are starting to change. The opinion piece, I didn't, um, I'm not sure what, how much uh, backlash I got from that. I, was, I just had so much media yesterday, but um, all I care about is what my people care about. And as long as I'm saying what they want me to say, then I don't really care about the backlash. This is the truth. Uh, they need to be held to account. And I'm here for the people. I, I'm elected by my people. I'm supported by my people. And I listen to my people. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio with Chantelle and Eamon. We're speaking with Australian Green Senator Lydia Thorpe on the push to change tradition surrounding the 26th of January. Now, last week, Cricket Australia removed the wording Australia Day from their promo, which was met with some predictable resistance, even from the PM. Why do you think there's still so much pushback? Uh, fear. I think there's a real fear uh, that we're going to start claiming backyards and people's homes and there's, you know, there's going to be all this debt that is associated with giving first people of this country any, any kind of justice. Uh, and, you know, they just need to get over that fear and, and sit down and have a conversation and that's what a treaty can do. I mean, I congratulate Cricket Australia. I think it's brilliant. Uh, you know, the, the culture of this country is sport after all. So if we're going to get into those audiences, we need more and more of those kinds of uh, codes standing up and, and, you know, standing in solidarity and calling out uh, the, this ongoing injustice. This is a day of mourning. In 1938, one of our old activist elders, William Cooper, he called for a day of mourning in 1938. So it's not a new idea. It's about continuing our old people's legacy. Have the 26th as a day of mourning. That way we can heal together, we can learn together. And then we, we have another day that reflects what this country is truly about. Maybe it's not called Australia Day. I don't know. But that's got to be coming from the people themselves. And have other MPs or senators shown support for your calls for the flag to be flown at half-mast? Uh, certainly the Greens have. 
uh, I'm not sure about uh, any other p- political parties. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Look, there's one council that has certainly um, agreed to flying the flag at half mast, which was uh, Glen Ira, and many many councils have uh, given in principle support to fly it at half mast next year. Thank you so much for your time, Senator Thorpe. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. That was Jabwarang Gana Gunditjmara woman and Senator for Victoria Lydia Thorpe, who has called for the Aboriginal flag to be flown at half mast on the 26th of January. Don't go anywhere, because coming up next, we're looking at what Invasion Day means for refugees and migrants coming into Australia. But first, here's a deadly new drop from Sydney rapper Barker. You're on Back Chat with Eamon and Chantel, and this next track is called Groovy. Language warning. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Back Chat, your alternative to talk back. Each year, movements across the country try to acknowledge the suffering of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander groups on January 26th. But what if you had only just arrived in Australia and never learnt about the systematic mistreatment of our First Nations people. An annual survey by the Australian Migrant Employment Services shows that new migrants are increasingly in favour of celebrating January 26. With us to discuss the complex reasons behind this is CEO of Ames Australia, Catherine Scarth. Catherine, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Now, Ames has been running a survey for the last five years that examines migrant attitudes to Invasion Day. Have migrant attitudes about January 26 always been like this? Well, certainly um, those who have arrived sort of in the last three years each time we do the survey are very similar. So they're incredibly... um, They think it's incredibly important that Australia celebrates a national day. Uh, They don't really know why it's on the 26th of January... Um, but once uh, they do know, then obviously some of their attitudes change uh, along with, um, I suppose, you know, the rest of Australia in terms of whether the day should remain the same. And in your research, what is it about Australia that new arrivals to this country particularly want to celebrate on January 26th? Well, obviously for some new arrivals, they've, um, they're fleeing persecution themselves. They might be stateless, so... Uh, they, they're kind of celebrating freedom, democracy and everything that, that obviously Australia stands for for them, which might not have been the experience that they had in their home countries. Um, for the migrants who choose to make Australia home, then there's, there's obviously a slightly different connection, which is about wanting to kind of embrace and celebrate their new chosen um, country. While nearly 70% of migrants plan to celebrate Invasion Day, 75% weren't aware of course to change the date and why. Do you think migrants would be more reluctant to celebrate on the 26th of January if they knew the full picture? Yeah, well certainly in our survey um, the, the dial swing, uh, swung around to more people, um, so I think almost 40% certainly were reluctant for it to stay on the same day once they knew more. Um, but I think, like most Australians, it's very, you know, if you, you imagine uh, uh, someone who's been here only for three years, particularly a refugee who's kind of fled torture and trauma and so on, um, they've got a lot going on in those first three years. 
and so learning about um, indigenous history is is probably something that they can't prioritize yet and so I think it's sort of and that in many ways goes for the for the whole community doesn't it I think one of our issues is uh, we don't appreciate and actually have uh, enough education around what it means not from a you know a technical historical sense but what it means for people indigenous people um, personally and you know many refugees can probably um, appreciate some of those feelings far more than many of us Um, and so certainly they change they certainly change their minds once they understand what the concerns are from the first people you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio with Eamon and Chantel. We're speaking to Catherine Scarth, the CEO of Australian Migrant Employment Services, about how new migrants to Australia are likely to celebrate January 26. So, Catherine, for seven years, Ames has been resettling and training refugees and migrants in Australia. How has the identity of these groups changed? Well, gosh, as I'm sure many of your listeners would appreciate, 70 years ago, um, you know, the post-war nation-building policies of Australia were very much focused on the European migration. Um, So, you know, obviously lots of uh, Anglos, but Southern European, uh, Poles, people displaced by the Second World War, and and probably fewer, fewer, sorry, different cultural groups, but, you know, bigger numbers. And then as we've gone through the decades, we obviously have seen the... the, um, uh, Asian settlement, um, obviously with the Vietnamese, um, and then through to present day, where really we're seeing um, people come from every part of the globe, um, whether that's South America, Asia, the Americas, um, you know, the Middle East, and so it's a very different, um, much more diverse uh, group of people who are coming to Australia now. And, of course, coming to a very, very different Australia than 70 years ago. Um, you know, you would have imagined, a, a, obviously, a much uh, more Anglo-white um, community back then um, compared to now, which is, you know, incredibly diverse and multicultural. And just yesterday we saw some, frankly, insensitive comments from our Prime Minister surrounding the arrival of the First Fleet. Considering that, do you think that multiculturalism in Australia is at threat due to bad leadership? Uh, look, I think, I, I mean, my hope is that, in a sense, because, um, you know, Australia is one of the most multicultural nations on the world, on the, on the planet. You know, even if you think about Indigenous cultures, they were multicultural. You know, it's not a new phenomenon. They were incredibly multicultural. So I, my hope is that it is far more resilient than any particular leader at any particular point in time. Um, however, it is something we have to work at. You know, it doesn't come easy. Um, there are deep-seated conscious and unconscious bias in all of us, whether that's about culture or, um, you know, gender or whatever it is. And it's, and it's not something that comes easy. It's something that we have to continually work at. And I think it's, it's all of our responsibility. Um, you know, uh, one of the things this morning I was thinking about before coming on to your show was, um, you know, acknowledging the land that I'm talking to you from today, which is uh, the Bunurong land of the Kulin Nations, um, and, and kind of what that means when we acknowledge 
uh, the First Peoples, and it, it shouldn't be sort of a token thing. It should really make us sit and think the incredible um, privilege that we all have, um, you know, being able to benefit from these lands that have been held um, in such great stewardship over, you know, millions of years. And so, um, you know, I, I think I think it will take more than one leader in one particular point of time. On that note, do you think there's a responsibility owed to the Indigenous people of Australia to educate new migrants about the ongoing effects of colonialism? Yeah, I I think that's an interesting question because to some extent anything around diversity and humanity, there's a responsibility on on both parts, isn't there? You know, we have a responsibility to learn and to be open to understanding the other whoever the other is, um, and equally, you know, I have a responsibility to, to help others understand, you know, my history and my culture and so on. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a one-way one way street. Um, and, and we do lots of, we do lots of work with um, Indigenous communities to bring them into providing opportunities where they can connect with people who are the latest arrivals to this uh, great land um, and to provide opportunities for that exchange to happen. So, you know, as with everything, um, we all have a responsibility to to understand the other and to, um, you know, not always change our views, but certainly um, seek out other opinions and other views and to try and, you know, to, to understand where people are coming from. Definitely something we should be considering as we roll into January 26. Catherine, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Great to talk to you, Eamon and Chantal. That was Catherine Scarth, CEO of Ames Australia, talking about migrant attitudes surrounding Invasion Day. And that's all we have time for on the show this week. A massive thank you to our guests, Lydia Thorpe and Catherine Scarth. Ahead of Tuesday, here's a few things you can do to support First Nations communities. The Invasion Day Rally for 2021 is on at the Domain from 9am, marking 233 years since British imperialism invaded Gadigal lands. Please remember to register your attendance and observe social distancing. Yarbin, the annual festival celebrating Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures on January 26, is being held online this year, so head to their website and tune in. You could also attend a talk today by Water for Rivers activist Bruce Shillingsworth on preserving the rivers that First Nations people depend on for their life and livelihood. That's at Paddington Reservoir Gardens, and it's a free event. This episode of Backchat was brought to you by our producers, Charles Rushforth, Mills, Millie Roberts, Rebecca Manibog, and Tanita Rizagi. Before we go, we're closing the show today with one from local muso Dobby. This is We Have Survived. Catch you next Saturday at 9.30am.